Welcome to episode two of Foodie Files. I just inserted a little bit of music there. Any comments from you, young Nick, as to what you thought of that? I'm glad you could hear music. Was that just in your head or could everyone else hear it as well? Oh, no, I could hear it. Let's hope it actually recorded. So we'll see how we go. (laughs) Because, you know, to be honest, people, I'm still finding my way through this podcast territory. Um, I might have to look for a producer for it. So, so everybody, if no one heard music for tra- Mama Trace spoke, it was in her head. Oh, seriously, it's what happens. I told you when you get the old timers disease. But anyway, anyway, enough of that. Welcome everybody to our second episode of Foodie Files. Um, and yet yeah, today we're going to talk about MasterChef, of course, and the first episode of the Great Australian Bake Off. We were very excited for that one to start. That's what I was waiting for. I'm sure And our first ever guest, you know, he might be, he might need sedatives after it, but anyway, um, Lawrence Conger, who's going to be talking to us um, a little bit, a bit different about uh, food and how we perceive food, but we'll come to that a little bit later and I can introduce him properly when we get to that part of the show. So, Nick, MasterChef. Mm. I know. We start with Josh Josh Nyland Day, don't we? Well, it, it started off with a big disappointment for me. What's that? What do you think it is? No, that's later. I, that's later. No, but Grace is gone. You'll just have to deal with it, Sunshine. But, 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 but. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pour your heart out for Grace, and then we can. When we actually get to that part, which is eliminated, we'll do it again. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll save my emotions for then. Yes, contain yourself, <laughs> child. So the first one that we've got is Josh Nyland with his mystery box. I love Josh Nyland's approach to seafood, where he talks about butchery and how he takes a whole fish and uses the entire fish. He approaches it like a piece, any other regular piece of protein, which I think is really, really cool. What do you think of that? I love it. Uh, the way he actually treats a fish, the way he actually works with it, it is, it's, it's great to watch. Yeah. Can only imagine how amazing it would taste. But just, just to watch him work, uh, it, it is. It's wonderful. Pretty cool. Someone who cooks and caters all the time. You do appreciate how he how he handles the food there, and he so he sort of first started off by basically giving them a masterclass of how to break down a whole John Dory, and I love the way he broke it, and I love the way he did that sort of fish cutlet with the French bone on it. I thought that was fabulous. Yeah, that was a good idea, actually. That was cool. Um, really, really cool. And so, but these contestants were very lucky because. They in their mystery box was a whole John Dory that had been butchered by Josh Nyland, so they didn't have to do the butchering; it was already done for them. I know that was that was. I would have loved to have seen them try. That would have been funny. It would have been. You imagine? Yeah. <laughs> like seriously, that's like that's skill. Um. Yeah. So what I hoped was some imagination from them. What did you think of what they did? Um, oh, look, you know, it, it's it's always hard. It's always hard to think, you know, what, what would you do in that situation, um, you know, given X amount of time, but a little behind the scenes. When you apply to shows like this, you do actually submit a, a, a series of uh, recipes that you can actually work off. So it, you do get prepared a little bit. So... It, they do have more time than, than you think, only because yeah. they, they can actually go and, and look at what, what to cook up. So, And they study at night. Oh, it's, look, it's impressive um, because I, even some some people, you know, given all the time in the world, given a couple of ingredients, so they, they still struggle to, to come up with something. But some it, people it burn show. water. It was amazing. <laughs> Sorry, that was talking. I didn't mean to talk over you then. Um, Anthony, did John Dory, I I didn't write down properly, something, was it Alessandra Negro or something like that or Venezuelan dish? 
you, you're talking about Antonio. Yeah, Antonio. What did I say? You called him Anthony. I'm thinking, oh, oh we've got a new contestant all of a sudden. Oh, I told you, old timers disease. Sorry. <laughs> That's yes. all right. Well, we can christen him if you want. <laughs> if it's easier for you. <laughs> oh, God, just let you do the talking because I'm useless. <laughs> no, I love these dark roast fish. That looked beautiful. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. And I have to say, there's two dishes that disturbed me. I said, was it two or three? No, it was just two. Declan's poached John Dory in the blackberry sauce. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I know the judges said they loved it. Yeah, did they really? <laughs> well, you looked at that sauce. It looked like bloody jam. And, like, he put he put honey in it. And the reduction of the blackberries would have made it even sweeter. Even sweeter, yeah. That, that, that would have, yeah. yeah. Definitely would have hit the palate. But I didn't even see any acid go into it for the fish. No, good point. Good pickup. And I'm like, oh, that'd be like, I'm sorry. I know they liked it, but not for me. No, that was. And then the one that we all got the ads for where we were going to be blown away. The Dagwood Dory with curry sauce. (laughs) Thoughts, comments, reactions, please. Oh, I don't know if they're if they're trying to to make things seem better than what they are. Just just to ham up for the for the cameras, but I, I can't imagine it would have been that good. It was like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I, I will be honest though; I didn't even know what a Dagwood dog was. I had to Google it. Excuse me. Yeah, Where have you me? been living? Um, under a rock. Obviously. Where does one get such a thing as a Dagwood dog? You only get them at the the, the shows at the you know the the, the opera or ballet. Do not sell Dagwood dogs, love. No, I'm not talking about the ballet or the oh, the theatre okay. or okay. Well, what shows? I'm talking about uh, you have the Royal Adelaide show in in Adelaide. Obviously, that was self-explanatory. The uh, Easter show in Sydney. Oh, you know, the carnival. Carnivals. That's. Ain't, ain't going to it. Well, see, never having children, I never went. And the Easter show was like my worst nightmare for the number of people. And obviously now for things like Dadwood dogs. <laughs> Not for me. No. I don't know. I just didn't think, I mean, it was basically, like you can go anywhere in Asia and get fish on a stick. <laughs> Sugarcane sticks, come on. It's, yes, I know they're common and they're, they're, they're done. And, and if done nice, I mean, it, w- it would be. I think theirs, not that one. No, no. Um, no, it wasn't for me. I, I wouldn't have been impressed, let me tell you. Yeah. What did you think about Artie's, her Indian appetizer? Um, I agree with the judges on this one. Yeah, I, I, I do have an issue with Artie because it, it is the same food coming up. Yeah, but I actually have a okay. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because I did make a note. Where did I make this note? Okay, so skipping ahead to the second part of um to another episode. So in the other episode where Rhiannon did her dish of the hibachi John Dory with yes. the salad, um, and she took so much time over that salad that she didn't have enough time to spend with the dory. However, the judges told her to cook the same way. Keep doing what you're doing. But Robbie got told to change the way he cooks. Yes. Um, Now, we know Theo needed to change the way he cooks, but anyway, that was different. Um, And a few others got told to change the way they cook, yet they're telling Rihanna to cook the same way. I know, a bit of, bit of a, a contradiction something? there. Did I miss something? Yeah, I know. I, I wish there was a little bit more consistency and they'd make their mind up. Mm. Uh, personally, I, I don't think cruising through MasterChef doing the same style Agreed. of food all the Agreed. time should be allowed. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think they should be telling him to, to, to branch out, do different things. Just, I mean, to, to be a MasterChef, I know they're not chefs. They mm. are 
But to, to, to win a competition like that, you should show a variety of techniques, a, a knowledge of a variety of cuisines and tastes, not just sticking to what you know and what you like all the time. But do you reckon the fact that this year we basically have people who are home cooks? Yes. Like, as I said before, not your Reynolds and, you know, those guys. Yeah. yeah. That this is what we're getting? We're getting yeah. more of that predictable dish every every week or episode? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, yeah. it has come across that way. Mm. Um, and I suppose you're in a competition, you're, you're under pressure to cook something, to deliver something. You will naturally go to something that you're most comfortable with or, yeah. or no. But at least we are going to come to the part where Theo gets redemption, but we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Kath did um, the saddle of John Dory with lentils and a red wine sauce. I'm not a fan of red wine sauce with fish. I just think it's too much. It overpowers the fish. It lends itself for a heavier protein. Absolutely. Yeah, like a, a beef, lamb, pheasant, something. Yeah. Now... I did like the way Ralph treated the fish because he did the um, basically like the cutlet. Yes. So he treated it like a lamb cutlet and did a beautiful herb crust on it. So it was like in, eating a lamb cutlet. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I know. He, I, see, again, my outsider would be Ralph. I'm still mm. leaning towards Brent, but I like I the fact that Ralph can actually produce different dishes. I know he's yeah, and, a master, but he still does venture out. Yeah, but remember when he tried to do the um, croque madame and take yeah. it to a different level? They didn't That's like not, that. No. Which look, was, look I, I can almost understand because the execution of that didn't look great. It would have been a bit too too much in, in the way he actually created that. The concept was but, great. But, yeah. Okay. But, um, I prefer the croque monsieur, but mm. put an egg on it and you've changed the dish. I ain't putting an egg on it. Look, um, next we come to the person we affectionately call Bread Boy, Theo. Euros Boy, yes. That was, I hate to say it, horrendous. That bit of so-called bread stuffed with fish. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it didn't do it for me. It was really, like, I know he changed midstream, but I thought that was a bit bleh. Yeah. Yeah. Got away with it, unfortunately, but. Um... Yeah. But anyway, so there we go. So that was sort of like that. The other thing I thought about Artie's just is I agree with the judges, way too much rice on that thing. It needed to be a much smaller portion of rice. I really did agree with that. Yeah. And your, your friend Grace. Did fried John Dory with hot and was it hot and sour sauce? Uh, was yes. It? yes, that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. Um, the judges loved the sauce. They said it was bottle ready. <laughs> and we'll get on to another bottle ready sauce a bit later on. I, 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 when you do, I am not going to participate in that se that segment. Why? <laughs> yes, you will. You have no choice. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, then my favourite. One of my favourites, Rue. She did a beautiful um, John Dory with pea puree and a blanc sauce. They only criticised the seasoning. Yeah. That there wasn't enough of it. But I would eat that dish. Absolutely. I love fish and beblanc. Um, Yeah, but I still think Declan's, Declan's sauce looked like jam. I'm sorry. That wasn't, yeah. <clears throat> um, so what else have we got in this one? Blah, 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 blah. Well, is that sort of it? But you want to get on to what the bit that you want to talk about? No, I, I, have, I, I no. have come over it. Have you overcome it? I've got to get my notes now. <laughs> I've lost my notes, people. God help me. You're, you're referring oh, to the... No, to the, yeah. I lost my notes on the phone. Far, far. <laughs> You know me, I can't pronounce anything properly. Oh, God. I know. I wrote, I wrote them this morning. What have I done? Oh, God, I, help me. I don't me. know what goes on in that head of yours. I would have no idea what you've done those notes. I'm useless. Anyway, 
But in in that elimination challenge, we had Artie, Theo and Grace. I must say, I thought Theo had no hope in hell. Well, they edited it to, to seem that way. He, he managed, we, managed, we can only talk about what we're watching. He managed so. to copy Ardi's uh, in a lot of things to, to get through it. But he produced the best bloody one. He did copy Ardi's leads, if you didn't, if you yeah. know. Because he, he was like a, a deer in headlights. I know. Didn't know but, where to go, what to do. Did you and think the he, judges gave well, him a little bit of a help? And then he saw Ardi boil boil the the, the beans. Yep. Unfortunately, Grace had a different idea and tried to brown them off. Not a good idea. That will really you're, make it You're making it for you've you've actually broken down all that protein. So as soon as it goes in, it's going to disintegrate further. And yes, it'll it will make your your stock a lot more yep. cloudy. And and I love how you can actually give a bitter taste. So I'm surprised you got away with that. I have to talk about. The, the ingredient that had everybody talking, full of penis. I know Luke, Luke Newen wanted to say full penis as much as he can. I don't the know gelatinous Look, I love Luke Newen. I, I've, I've oh, actually, so do I adore him. I've actually attended a couple of his exhibitions and, and demonstrations and got his cookbooks and love all the recipes he's, he does, love his shows. So do I. But seriously, he's up on mentioning bull's penises. What, we can't talk about bull's penis? How uh, it's so soft and gelatinous and melts in your mouth. Yes. Every dude must have lost their mind when they heard that. The, the, the surprise ingredient, yes, you won't, you won't guess it, but yes, it melts in your no, mouth. I just don't know where I'd buy a bull's penis, but anyway. Yes. Well, but, so what was, the, what was the mystery ingredient? Well, um, bull's penis? <laughs> We haven't heard uh, that 20 times in, in one episode. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I actually was really happy that Artie actually used a, um, oh, when she was doing the straining of the broth. A muslin there to, to strain it. And to get the fat. The yeah. Fat, she did a fat one. Uh, what do you call What do you call them? Oh, my God. The, um, it's like a big coffee. Filter. Paper, but it, it collects fat instead of mm. um, yeah. coffee, coffee grounds. That was really smart mm. because otherwise you have that horrendous layer of fat on top of the soup and it's awful. Another another easy way or good tip to pick up to skim fat off a soup mm-hmm. or a, a broth or a, any type of liquid is use the back of a ladle to fill yeah. the ladle up with ice. Yep. And Dip it, just, it in there. Yeah. Sucks it all. It's... It's all sticks to the ladle, so it all actually goes up straight onto the ladle and it cleans up very quickly. Um, I kept it because I have a, some friends that I have a text chat thread when we watch MasterChef. And I was saying to oh, them, uh, Sorry. Um, huh? Huh? Were you supposed to be texting me? I, you said friends text. I have more than one, Mr. Nick, more than one friend. I know it's a shock. Oh. I was, I, I, let me just check my phone. I must have missed your text. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Siri was talking to me again. <laughs> I don't know why she t- he's talking to me so often lately. But anyway, um, look, and of the three, obviously it blew me away that Theo did the best far. However, it's time for Nick to say his goodbyes. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, that was the end of Grace. And are you coping with that? I've, I've, I'm, I'm over it now. I'm, I've, I've come to terms that. Yeah. Right. Do you I'm need to, you need some therapy for that? Do you think, or you're okay? <laughs> Look, she she showed so much promise. She she actually had a great variety of dishes and, and techniques that she showed. Yeah, she stuffed that up with the browning of the bones. Yeah. So yeah. one little thing, which actually also. Um, made her prep take longer than normal, so she had less time of the meat in the pressure cooker, so yeah. it wouldn't have been as tender. So, yeah, look, just one little mistake actually messed her up for the rest of the uh, the dish. But Yeah. So that was the departure of our lovely Grace. So now that Grace is gone, she was one of your favourites. Yes. 
So I'm just baking Brent and Ralph now. Brent and Ralph. Oh, excuse me. You've stolen my Ralph from me. No, I told you. Oh, please. Dude, I yours was uh-uh, yours was Brent and Grace. Mine yes, was Ralph and, and Ruth. I did say as a dark horse, Ralph. Oh, God almighty. So, oh, sorry. I shouldn't have said dark horse. I, I meant as an outsider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, yeah, and I think Rue is also an, as an outsider. She's a really good cook. Hello, Sorry, Nick. Was that, was that silence deafening then? Hello, Nick. <laughs> Went in a drum roll somewhere there? Yes, yes. Go on. I know you've been dying to talk about this. No, we're not quite there yet. Oh, you, I know. Nick, but I, thought, I thought that's what you were leading into. No, we need to talk about the sources. Oh, here it is. I found my notes. Oh, thank God. Because, you know, I'm having old lady syndrome. She forgets stuff. And you be quiet, Nick. So then we move on to the condiment challenge. Is that the next one? Yes, that was the next one. Oh, no. No, no, no. no. Why did I? No, that was the vegetable, the two root veg, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. I jumped ahead a little bit. Yeah. Um, the Maybe go to the previous note page. <laughs> sorry, people. I thought I was so organised this week. I'm obviously, like, useless. The Curtis Stone service challenge. Um would you like to talk about that? Because I am beyond. How do you stuff up roasted beetroots? Uh, undercook it? How's that? How? Oh, look. Oh, yeah, I know. Beetroot doesn't take oh. much cook. You know, people preparing raw beetroot is easy. Cooking beetroot is easy. I don't know. I don't know. How can you actually have undercooked beetroot? I don't know. So we did have a team of five and a team of four. Yes. It was a little uneven, and I didn't think that was quite fair. I think one of the team of five should have sat out. Oh, I think but, then, that... but then what What happens to the person that sits out? Do they participate in rewards or if it's a, a challenge? They've done it before because there were uneven numbers. Anyway, well, I'll go about that later. Um. So they had to pick a root vegetable each team, and that had to be the predominant theme of what they did. So we had um, beetroot chosen and sweet potato. Yes. Two vegetables which I thought there are a million things you can do with. Um, they can't stuff this up. Ah, oh, but alas. <laughs> alas. We did have, now I must admit, the grilled octopus that Brent did was stunning to look at. I haven't tasted it. But the hero of the dish was supposed to be the beetroot. And they all talked about how great the octopus was. Yeah. Oh, look, to prepare so much octopus for so many. He did uh, well. It is amazing. So, yeah, it, it does need mentioning. And, uh, yeah, no, he did really well. He did. Yes, not having your hero dish, your hero ingredient. Uh, being predominant, uh, I think that's an issue. Yeah. But on the other team, they had the sweet potato with uh, their main dish was like a, a sweet potato puree with the beef. Now, I must say, Declan did an awesome job cooking that beef. There were inconsistencies, but cooking, again, cooking that many. Portions. He did a really good job. It's amazing. He, uh, yeah, yeah. For my money, he did a great job. And unfortunately, the sweet potato custard pie didn't quite work. Yeah, the custard wasn't set. I was going to say, see how runny it was. It yeah, was, I know. It wasn't. Like the crust was good. Yeah, but the, it visually, yeah, yeah, something has to be visually, yeah, appealing yeah. and appetizing. If if you lose it there, I know. Yeah. And they forgot to make the caramel. However, scrambling at the last minute and making that pumpkin um, sweet potato caramel that has a little dollop on the plate, yeah. so that's what stood out to the judges. Mm. That was a good one. Like, yeah, it actually worked. Huh? It worked, obviously. I know. But then we're going to come to now. I was so happy when I saw this. Rue and Ralph's dessert oh, yes. was to die for. Yes. 
goat cheese, well. the goat cheese with the beetroot, um, like consomme, yep. and the little pears poached in red wine. I would gobble that up. Oh, look, the, the, the precision oh. of the cubes uh, across Brilliant. the plates. Rue did those. Yeah, I talk about making something visually appealing. That, mm. that was stunning on the plate. The contrast with the bright red of that consomme with that goat cheese. We're going to call it a cube because I'm not working in my head today. <laughs> but I love the way they went from having larger poached pears. I'm running out of time. So they put them in, they used a melon baller and made beautiful little balls, and I think that was genius. And, and again, if you look at all the proportions, the smaller pears look yes. perfect on that dish. It was gorgeous. I was picturing it with larger pears. It would have, the pears would have overwhelmed the visual presentation. Like a different dish, and it would have looked like pear was the hero on that dish. Yeah. But I think that was brilliant. So... Obviously, the team who had beetroot won. That's and it. that was a lot to do with that dessert. That was so. Oh, I, I hmm. think that definitely was the tipping point for them. That, that, what, that looked incredible. Yeah, because the other dessert from the other team wasn't that great. No. So, the reward for winning that round was to go the next day into the condiment challenge yeah. again with Curtis Stone. And this was also the last chance to win an immunity pin. No more immunity pins for the season. That's it. Mm -hmm. So in this round, we have Rue, Ralph, Artie, Rhiannon and Brent. So they were asked to make a condiment which was like a, was a, like a memory to them, a family thing, that something that spoke about, you know, their family. Yes. So Rue did a barbecue sauce. Mm. Ralph made chuckalucka, which is a South African thing they have with grilled meats and stuff. That looked beautiful, actually. Ardi did her version of a harissa. Rhiannon did a pineapple chutney. Any comments on the pineapple chutney? Sorry, say it again. What's a pineapple chutney? Never had it. it... I'm joking. Sorry. Oh, I would never have pineapple. Give me strength. Ah, sorry. I'm being a bitch. Um, and Brent did a mango chilli sauce. So, yeah. I like the idea. Mango chilli sauce appeals to me, I must admit. <laughs> it really does. So off they went on their merry adventure of making their condiments. And after that round... After they made all their condiments, they had to make a dish with their condiments. And Rue did barbecued ribs and chicken. She wasn't going to do the chicken in the first place. All on the hibachi, thank you very much. Can I say, now that you mentioned that, can I say, MasterChef have single-handedly been responsible Agreed. One introduction of hibachis, but the Agreed. start of hibachis in Australia, Robert, if I hear the word hibachi, hibachi. Time, <laughs> it's up there with the word journey. Journey. Oh, now, like I, I love to mention journey earlier. Sorry. But you know, it's really funny, just done a hibachi thing for a minute. So when they, the first season, I think they had the hibachi for everything. Yeah. People were using hibachis inside. <laughs> And smoke alarms went off everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, people, it's cold. It's smoky. <laughs> but I must admit, though, the taste of cooking protein on the hibachi is amazing. Oh, absolutely. Getting that, that char, smoky flavour, absolutely. Yeah, gorgeous. You anyway, talk so, to a drink here. Anything on yeah, top. I know. I know. Throw a lamb on the barbie and Nick's a happy man. That's it. So, yeah, so she did her ribs in the pressure cooker. She did them properly and then she finished them on the hibachi. Um, the chicken was like an afterthought because she was worried that the ribs were not going to be cooked in time. So she whacked some, I uh, was a chicken Maryland in the oven. Anyway, that was her thing, ribs and chicken. Um, and I'll be honest, I can't remember what the rest of them cooked. Can you? Rhiannon did prawn three ways. That's right, yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. Artie's yeah. Harissa. 
She made like a curry, or did you or not? Oh, Brent did the uh, cold trout tacos. That's right. Where the, the, the tortillas he didn't actually right. enough, they, they did. I have yeah. to admit they did look a bit pale. Yeah, and a bit thick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But after all that, the grand winner of the last immunity pin and the ability to get their sauce put into coals the next day was a ruse barbecue sauce. And I went out, people, and I had to go and buy it. Sorry, need... Trace has been dying to talk about this all. all... No, I just I'm, think I'm, we should. I'm going to let her give. I'm going to let her have her five minutes. Because Nick hasn't tasted it. Look, bless them. I did try it. I was about to say raw, but I tried it neat. So I just took a little taste. It's like when I abuse Americans for trying to take a taste of Vegemite that way. But the thing is for me, it's so sweet. Now, maybe it would be good on ribs or chicken, and I will try it that way to, to see if it evens out a bit. But for me, the first two products are honey products, ingredients, sorry, are honey and brown sugar. And for me, that's an automatic no. It's too sweet. That's way too, And it was very sweet when I tasted it. And I would say if you're going to go out and get this while it's still available because it is a limited run, your children, those children who are not brought up eating spicy food <laughs> may struggle as well because the heat does linger. It was a little hotter than I thought it would be, but I, I didn't mind that. But for me, the first thing that hit me in my mouth was the sweetness. And I had that, for me, that cloying taste because of the sweetness um so yeah so you get yourself a 375 ml bottle it does say right on the bottle i don't know why i'm holding this up to the camera because people can't see it um it is a, it is a limited time it does say hot so there's three chilies on it so it is quite hot but it's very for me personally it's very sweet but next week i will tell you what it's like i'll do some chicken or some ribs or something so i'll tell you what it's like if you don't put it on your pie or your sausage roll, because I think that would be a bit too much for me. So there goes my review of the $5 bottle. Of, I keep picking it up to show people, and I don't know why I'm doing it. Um, Rue's sauce is now at Coles for a limited time. I think it's good to get out there and also support because we do all love our MasterChef. But, yeah, I will let you know next week what it's like when I've used it as a cooking ingredient. I'm done now, Nick. There you go. I gave you your five minutes to talk about the product. Now, now can we talk about what I really wanted to go on about? And what do you really want to talk about? What I want, what I want, what I really, really want? Straight off, your bake off is back. Go for it. Oh, <laughs> I missed the show. Go for it. Uh, we, we can both talk about it. Did you watch it? Yes. There's how 12 amazing, new contestants. How amazing is my new, my new favourite host? Rachel Koo. Oh, God, here we go. First it was Melissa, now it's Rachel. Who's next? Melissa who? <gasps> no, no. Oh, girl. <laughs> Talk about shit. I'm joking. I'm joking. Still love Melissa. Okay. People, can we all go out there and tell Melissa that Nick threw shade? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I still love Melissa, but, like, Rachel Koo, I've been watching her shows for quite a while, so. So I like all the cake. I mean, cake decorating, it's my thing. I know. It's <laughs> nice to be back in the tent. Yes, absolutely. And I love they kept the tent. I love they kept the fundamental elements of the, the Bake Off series. Well, around the look world. at all the overseas ones. They all have yeah. it. So yeah, it, I love it. It's iconic. It, it, yeah. it is It is Bake Off. Yeah. So the fact that they brought that element back, brilliant. It's good. So we've got, as Nick has droolingly said, Rachel Koo as one of the judges. And the other one is a fabulous Melbourne boy, Mr. Darren Purchase, who um, is the king of sweets and desserts. His desserts and his cakes and his sweets are just stunning. Oh, they're amazing. I, I, I still miss his um, salted caramel. Tarts. No, the salt and caramel in the jar that I used oh, to Oh, the jar, so do I. But 
when I used to live really close to um, Darren had a sweet studio in Melbourne, obviously called Birch and Purchase. Um, and I used to live basically across the road from it. So every Saturday, one of most Saturdays, I'd go and get the salted caramel tart, little tarts. But oh my God, it was delicious. And every Easter, he used to make little Easter eggs that were full of that salted caramel. It was like an orgasm in your mouth. They were, they were great. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oh. work that comment. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, she did it again. Yes, you did. She did it again. So, yeah, we've got 12 new contestants. And what did you think of what they did? Uh, awesome. Amazing. Look, I mean, these, are, these aren't professionals. Um, no, they're they? not. Sorry? Guillermo certainly wasn't professional. Oh, Guillermo was cute. Dinosaur cake got him eliminated. Even, even though he, he was the first one out. Yeah, he, he, was, he was cute. Yeah, flight attendant from Victoria. He loved his his dinosaurs. Uh, I know. Uh, he was cute. But they were dinosaurs. <laughs> no, the, the, the way the dinosaurs he made for the cake I thought was fabulous. Yes. But no, their, uh, their initial uh, bake, you know, Create something that uh, that that you would describe mm. yourself on in a cake. It was it was cute. It was a great variety of everything that came through. Um, I look, time restraints. You can't make cakes look brilliant, but some of them came out very well. They looked amazing, and the flavors the flavors sounded interesting. So it was, it was I was impressed chat. with Ilona and her retro. What are they even called? A showstopper. What do they call it? Um. Oh, the show, the last the her last cake the showstopper yeah 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 it was a showstopper yes yeah that was good and Gavin get <laughs> come on that hold it how about his technical challenge come on all right I'm talking about beautiful I mean it looked like little sandwiches it looked like a high tea presentation yeah but look doing doing a, a, a what was it gluten free chocolate cake. And being such large pieces, uh, yeah, no, it was a bit much. The, you do cut them a lot smaller and, and yeah. put cream in there just to cut through all that dryness. Unless uh, you're making it with not, I don't. I make a gluten-free chocolate cake, but it's not with a gluten-free flour. I do an almond meal cake, which is an Easter like Easter. Which is a, a freeond. <laughs> it's an Eastern European cake that we used to eat as a child. Yes. Yes. Um, what no. a cake if you use almond milk. Oh, I'm bitchy today, aren't we? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what, I have to put what, what do you think? What do you think of Neil's cakes? Yeah, not bad. Really? Yeah. Why? Not you? Oh, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And you're not bitchy. Wow. Harsh. I'm joking. It was only one episode. I never judge on a first date. No, there's dead silence there, people. I'm sorry. Anyway, look, I'd like to see more before I pick um, a favourite. Yeah. Yes. I've so that far, mistake with Master Chef, so I'm, I'm reserving judgment. Oh, yeah, until he jumps on the bandwagon and picks them on Yeah, finals week. That'll be interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, one episode of The Great Australian Bake Off. It is coming out weekly. It's um, on Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m., and if you have Foxtel, it's on Foxtel on the is it the food the Food Channel? Food Channel, yes. And if you have like Foxtel Go, you can get it there or the binge, it's available on there as well. And I know at 8 30 Tuesday night I'll be glued to my TV for the next episode. So it goes straight from MasterChef to the Great Australian Bake Off. Absolutely. <laughs> How many we've got the top ten in MasterChef now, yeah? Yeah, top Correct. ten. Correct. So here we got we've got Adi, Declan, yep. Rhiannon. Yep. Rue, Kath, Yeros Boy, yeah. Tonio, Melissa, Brent, Kath, and Ralph. Yeah. yeah. That's 10. I think it's a good top 10. Yeah. Good top 10. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Are we getting any closer to Marco week? Because, like, I'm needing a fix. I'm thinking Marco week's going to be the last week of MasterChef because they're just using that to keep us tuning in every week. You mean they're teasing me? <gasps> Hard to imagine, but yes. God help me. 
But yes, <laughs> definitely tune in to, to Bake Off. It, it was yeah. a great first episode, so I can't wait to see Tuesday. Let's see if they can get tested a bit more and ramp up what they're, what they're creating. All right, we're going to take a really, really short break and we'll be back in a sec. And we're back. So, obviously, my other, my co-host and our guest couldn't hear the transition music that I popped in there. They're thinking, what drugs is this woman on? Um, so, we thought we'd do something a little bit different for the rest of the show. Um, and we have a gentleman with us today called Lawrence Kongwa who is a degree-certified nutritionist. And before you all start panicking, this is not about cutting calories and diets and all that sort of crap. Um, so, yeah, Lawrence has a really good approach to nutrition um, and an interesting take. And he and I have had some discussions in the past. On, by the way, all Lawrence's details of how you can contact him, etc., will be in our show notes as usual. Um so Lawrence and I have had many conversations around food and how it's changed. And one of the concepts we've talked about before is that people are now perceiving that food is basically their enemy, um, that they shouldn't eat this, they shouldn't eat that, and they have to do this, and we have to buy low-calorie that, which uh, I don't agree with and I know Lawrence has his opinions about that. So Lawrence, welcome to the second episode of the Foodie Files. Hi guys. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. So as I sort of uh, talked about then, there's this perception that people have now where food is their enemy. They have to deprive themselves. They have to not eat food that tastes good. Hmm. When, how do you think that sort of happened and why, you know, why? Um, you could say that it kind of started around the early 2000s. And I wouldn't say started. Actually, um, it, it started a long time before that um, with the fitness trends. Well, we started jogging and weight loss and things like that. So from the 60s and probably even before that, even from World War One, World War Two, sorry, um, people started to change their food habits. But something happened around the 2000s when it became really, really technical. I mean, the food industry ended up morphing into this technical minefield where we had, um, there was a trend by a fitness model um, named, I think it's Tosca... Uh, I'll, I'll come back to you on that one. I ain't going to remember that one because this girl is no fitness model. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Well, she, she did a clean eating trend. Um, and then all of a sudden we had things like superfoods and the diets got trendy. So what we've got to remember is that um, with marketing, so food, one of the reasons why food has become the enemy is because of the way we market food. You know, corporations deliberately market to our insecurities. So then when you combine, say, this health trend, they will use our insecurities about our health and our body image to sell their products. Um, the second reason, um, besides marketing, I'd say, is our lifestyles. Um, we are pretty busy at work. We, we with flexible work hours, we tend to work longer. And even though we've got real advantages for, to flexible work, I think that um, in terms of life today, we're always switched on. So food is a chore that requires way too much attention. And um, this leads to less cooking. We start to lose our cooking skills and then making food a combination of delicious and nutritious while it's just our everyday food becomes difficult. Yeah, because people start to think, oh, I'm too tired to cook. I got no, can't do this, can't do that. And then they'll stop at McDonald's on the way home or horrible places like that and KFC. And yeah. Nick, do you ever do anything like that? Naughty? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't overdo it, but. Um... We all do it occasionally. I'm not saying you're all perfect. Yes, we're not perfect. Yeah, it doesn't really have to be. Sorry. I was going to say, meatball sub was lunch today. 
Not from Subway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Moving right along. But a 15-year-old, that's what he wanted after football. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry, Lawrence. Go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying, I was just going to say that it doesn't really have to be healthy or unhealthy. It's just the fact mm -hmm. that you've lost control of what we're eating. It's in somebody else's hands. So then um, we've just lost that ability to self-regulate. And we had that in Advent. I remember it when I was, um, you know, when the dinosaurs roaming the earth when I was a child. Um, the Advent of all that food that was low-fat and everyone had to eat cottage cheese on Rivita crackers. But it might have been low fat, but it was really full of salt and sugar to give it taste. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the real reason, the, the real idea behind good food, I think, is traditional food. I mean, I think we've kind of already known how to do it, but somewhere along the way, things have changed. Yeah, which is not so good. Um, sorry, um, little technical hitch there, people. Sorry. So, what's what's the impact to people's lives of them perceiving food as the enemy? Um. Well, if we look at how marketing has um changed the way we look at food like with marketing they've kind of created rules based on how to sell their products which these rules from you know what's the latest craze part of it can be true but it we're all individuals so it's not always in our best interest to follow everything um the other thing is when we fall short of these rules it can be pretty triggering um so then we start to do self-comparisons and self-judgment. And uh, I get Yeah, finally. Um, there's another thing about, you know, with social media, you've got those algorithms that they can yes. strap you on all forms of social media. And you're yep. really bombarded with some very highly sophisticated, tailored messages. I mean, like, social media is going to kind of compile just this nice little cocktail of your insecurities and just poof, just kind of chip away at you every day saying you're not good enough. Buy this. You can't do that. Buy that. So the other thing is the lifestyle thing, the, the, the way we change. So the, the consequence to the lifestyle is like studies actually shown that people tend to eat up to 50% more when we're feeling stressed or anxious or upset. So you're stressed, you cook less, we lose our food skills. Um, and a lot of the modern food activates a center in the brain called the limbic system, which controls emotive uh, emotion and motivation. Um, and what happens is that the foods that we eat, they can actually interfere with um, the hormones, which um, kind of regulates our appetite. So, yeah, processed food, you get a short-term boost of pleasure, but there's a long-term impact. So I, I did read something once, and I just remembered this, so I'm throwing this in. I read something that they said when you have like a high, like an intake of sugar, mm -hmm. it acts in your brain the way heroin does. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same pathway. Yeah, that's scary as all hell. I know. I'm not, telling, I'm not saying people shouldn't eat sugar, like, you know, but it's just like I worry that we're eating too much like processed food mm. and uh, what I call unnatural food, um, which is going to have, as you said, put off your hormones, stuff up your brain, and especially our children. Our children aren't getting what I call real food. And I don't want to hear anyone complain, I don't have time to cook a meal. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. But with that, I mean, are we are we creating a generation of uh, kids who are having a bad relationship or uh, with, with food in general? Um, yeah. I think. So. I mean, I think we'll know um, later on. Like some of these impacts, we don't know until they actually happen. So, like mm -hmm. as 
Um, but I think we can already see that um, kids probably haven't, they rely a little bit more on takeaway foods and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm not so sure what the long-term impact is going to be. I mean, on the flip side, we're getting a lot of healthy types of food and things like that. But I think it's just the skills. It's it's about taking ownership. There, mm. You can't just say, this is healthy, therefore it works for me. Um, there's a certain way that we actually know how to eat. And it it's actually about... Um, it, it, it's actually about using your own senses. You know what's best for you. And people don't realize that the best nutritionist is our own intuition. But you and I both agree there's this perception out there of nutritious food being bland and boring and you've got to have a piece of poached chicken and some steamed broccoli. And we've talked about learning from other cultures with how they flavour their food, which is exceptionally healthy and nutritious. But in the West, we don't seem to do that when we think about nutritious, healthy food. It's always about depriving yourself of something. We go with a negative connotation mm. of that, yeah. So can we actually change our, our perception on food and the way we think about it? Um, I think it comes back to the two reasons why um, it's different in the West. And one is that um, we're all Indigenous. I mean, um, Western food became industrialized and changed. So Western food, if you actually look at what the British and the French and um, the Scandinavian countries and Italians, and you know, we all have food which is native to what was grown in, in our country. Um, it's just that once food becomes industrialized, it changes and and loses the um it it kind of loses the sort of utility that it was it it had within that region or wherever you Hmm. moved so can we change it yes absolutely and that's probably by um we just got to go back to learning to love food i mean i love these shows like master chef and things like that because um it, it it really, when we're talking about food, we're actually going back to the basics and talking about everything from how it feels and how it smells and um, just the anticipate what, what happens when you're cooking and, oh, damn, I burnt it, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It, and I love the fact that MasterChef also gave rise to junior MasterChef. Yeah. Kids are really passionate. And I've got a, a girlfriend with two kids. One's a 15-year-old boy. And one's a 10-year-old girl, they actually cook dinner. They do so they learn cooking in school. They do they do cook at home, which I think is amazing. Because as kids, I would be in the kitchen with my grandmother or whatever, but I wasn't allowed to cook on my own. Whereas these kids are so invested about learning about food and cooking and flavours. I think it's great. Mm. New Master Chef was like phenomenal. What those kids could cook. Does your son cook a lot? Uh, cook. I can't even speak. Sorry, Nick. That, that thing. <laughs> yeah. Does your son cook a lot? He does. He does. I suppose it's it's also you know if you see it happening in the household a lot, mm. you tend to pick up a little or get drawn to it. But he has got a, a, a good interest in cooking. That's good. And he always asks you, know, "Can you teach me how to do that? Can you teach me?" How to do that? Which is great. So the fact that he has got that, being inquisitive and and wanting to learn is good. There's an account I follow on Instagram and I seriously, it bowled me over when I found it. And the funny thing is the child has the same name as your son, Nick. There you go. (laughs) He is a little kid. He sits, he's in a high chair, right? He's sitting in a high chair. And he's, I think his um, parent must be either a chef or extremely good cook. But he asks Levi what he wants to eat, mm. and this comes. This kid comes out with the most amazing things that he wants his dad to cook for him that I have never seen a child ask for. I'm just oh, well, hang on, I just want to see if I can find it. Cooking for it's called cooking for Levi, and he's two years old, by the way. Oh my gosh! 
This kid is unbelievable. He asked for one night. He asked, hang on, what did he want to eat that night? Levi wanted to eat braised short ribs with parsnip puree, honey glazed carrots and watercress. And you see the the parent cooking it, but then he puts the food in front of the two-year-old and the kid woofs it down. It's amazing. It's like it makes my little foodie heart sing to watch that follow that particular one. A kid who's learning to eat good food fresh at home that, you know, is made properly. I think that's great. Hey? I'll have to look at that one and follow it. Cooking for Levi. I'll put the link down in the, the show notes as well. Um, sorry, as usual, I digress, people. I'm sorry. Um, so, Lawrence, I've also heard that cooking can help us, not only as people, but as civilization, flourish. What does that mean? Um, as far as food is concerned, um, one of the advantages that humans have had is um, we've been able to be adaptable. So... By being adaptable, we've been able to like have larger brain sizes and we've been able to use certain foods such as root vegetables to kind of Yum. Yeah, just to uh to to go around the globe. Apparently, um to come out of Africa hundred and seventy thousand years ago, it was root vegetables that they relied on because um they grew underground, they were yep. they had a lot of nutrition and um they it, it was easy to to plant in different climates. Um but in order to flourish today, I kind of, I was reading this study and it looked at how we perceived food um, and in particular homemade food. And mm. firstly, um, this is a qualitative study that was done in comparison to say British and American views. And the one thing that they had in common was that one food, homemade food, she's like, is simple. Mm. So while we love MasterChef, um, I think the idea of MasterChef is even though there seems to be some things are complex, there's a simplicity to it. There's, there's, there's just something that is like, oh, wow, I can do that. It seems attainable. The yeah. other thing is that food is kind of homemade food is rooted in culture. So yeah. culture could mean your own food. It could be something personal. It's like, oh, I grew up with this. So is there's like a nostalgia to it? Um, mm. And or you're trying the culture of somebody else's. So it's like, oh, I'm going to try. And you kind of feel that I trust this food because it sustained um, it sustained societies for generations. The th- there's two more things. One is that it's a way to bring families together. So yes. with food, um, especially people who are foodies. They're just usually people, people, they, they love people. So what they do is that they express their feelings through food. So th- that's the fourth um, thing that was um, made in this study was that that was uncovered in this study was that um, food's a way to express your feelings. So if you think about it, um, there's many ways that like, just think about dating or think about, um, do I have to? <laughs> Boy, about, that's, a, that's a different show. Sorry, movie. Sorry. <laughs> think about um, the cooking for friends or for your family. You know, so um, so one thing is that um, they didn't see in this study. They didn't see that um, convenience food or takeaway foods could do this. Yep. Cool. One thing I neglected to do at the beginning when you joined us, Lawrence, and I'm terrible, should have done it. Tell everyone a little about you and, um, you know, what you do and your sort of process. And then also I said I'll link uh, Lawrence's uh, details in the show notes. And if you want to give us a little overview of what you've been doing with your nutrition. Um, okay. Uh, I I I studied um, with at Endeavor College. Um, I finished over the lockdown, um, and I've always kind of liked food, but more from a scientific nutritional perspective. But mixing with people, mixing with different cultures and things like that, I just thought, no, I I, I don't like this idea that I'm telling people what to eat. So when I come with, together with people, I started to learn that okay, this is this is how they 
this is how they, this is what they like. This is how they see food to them. And then all I do is I kind of advise people on how to change that into something that's nutritious. Um, and I, I, I kind of teach meal planning because meal planning is something that it's not just about planning food. It's about planning your life. It's about planning your week. It's about intention, about having, I, I plan to have a good week and things like that. So that usually means that it, it, it's just, it's a very positive way at looking at food rather than purely a nutritional point of view. So awesome. I do know when I, hopefully tomorrow being Sunday, I will get some meal prep done for the week. And it makes my life easier during the week as well because I know some days I am brain dead after a day at work and I think, do I, I don't really feel like cooking. But if I've got the stuff in the fridge or the freezer that I can use, it's better than a takeaway. Absolutely. And I can cook something quicker than they, before they can even deliver it. <laughs> and that includes pizza, people. <laughs> it should save you money as well. Oh, yes, because we all know how how things are going in the supermarket these days. I remember as a child, you could not get people to eat golden beetroot. They used to feed the animals with it. Mm-hmm. Now it's a, now it's a very trendy thing to eat. Mm. And have you seen the price of parsnips? But anyway, I digress. Again, <laughs> I do that. Um, Lawrence, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having and, me. As I said, I will put all Lawrence's details down below. Look him up. Give him a shout-out. He is amazing with his knowledge of flavours and he can actually completely change the way you think about food. And as I said, food that is nutritious and good for you does not have to be boring. So there you go. Before, before we fork off. I wasn't forking off anywhere yet. Before we fork off, just quickly. Yeah. We'll be cooking this weekend or tonight. Well, Lawrence was going to provide me with a wonderful recipe. I think it was for Spanish chicken. It is Spanish inspired. So um, the one thing that I've tried to tell people is that um, just be informed by what other people do. You can make one recipe and turn it to Moroccan, Spanish, Mm. French, or, you know, and also one meal can be turned into like um, a bolognese can be a... um, you can make a pie out of it. You can have exactly. tacos on another day, or you can you, you can repurpose it in, in lots of different ways. Exactly. So there will be that recipe on the link as well. So myself, I'm going to try this barbecue sauce and make some um, chicken and see how it goes. Can't say I don't know how I'm going to cope with the sugar, but we'll see how it goes. You and the um, sauce. <laughs> I bought it. I may as well do something with it. Yeah. And. I am going to make Nick's moussaka from last week's recipe. So next week I'll review his moussaka, oh, people. You review my food. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh-huh. How about you, um, Lawrence? What's, what are you making today? What are you cooking tonight? Uh, funny enough, I just mentioned the bolognese. I think that's what was in my mind. So I've actually got to, I've got to cook it before it goes off. So. <laughs> that's it. And what about you, Nick? I have got my cousin coming over, so I'm going to make a paella. Yum. I'm going to make some sangria just to get through the night. And... Oh, in other words, don't try and talk to Nick tomorrow because it'll well, be I'll as hungry as hell. I'm going to do chorizo with uh, apple cider. Mm-hmm. It's a nice Spanish recipe on that one. And um, I'm going to make some crema catalana for dessert. <gasps> Yum. Uh, Tell, people Tell people what that is. Tell people what that is. It's basically a set custard mm. in a, in a bowl. So it's, it's almost like the custard part of a creme brulee, but it's yeah. served cold, beautiful. Actually, I might make Portuguese custard tarts instead. Okay. One of the two, either one. Um, I'd like some sent over to Melbourne. Thanks very much. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Microphone. Right. So on that note, people, um, our thoughts, our feelings is food and cooking is about family. It's about community. Bad spirit and also learning about other people's culture. I love going out to restaurants of a culture of food I've never eaten before. It's it's so good. And we share our love and our food. And we get to share precious time with our friends, our family, our loved ones. 
and let's face it, guys and girls and everybody else out there, this current environment in our world, spending time with your friends and your family and loved ones, it's truly a gift. Absolutely. A gift. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we will call this a wrap and we'll join us next week for uh, my review of Nick's Will Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm nervous. Everybody have a great, great week and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks again, Lawrence. See you later. Bye.